What is up, people? It is 4 o'clock Eastern on a Tuesday. Uh, a, I was about to say April. <laughs> July 21st. And that means it's time for Monster Maverick. And welcome to those joining in the chat. You know, we're uh, having our weekly shindig here that is on MSP Wave. So I did a couple fun things over the past little week. And one of them was I put this show onto Anchor FM, which I got the link and idea from Cal over at uh, Leo Finance. Anchor FM is a podcast hosting thing. You know, you upload it there and then it distributes to other places. So, so far, the show, I uploaded 15 episodes and the show is live on like five platforms, something like that. And it's it's still under review with Apple and <laughs> Apple and Google. So those are the big ones, right? But it does have a, uh, a Spotify uh, link, uh, which I know a lot of people listen to. So I'm going to go ahead and paste that down in here. That's the Spotify uh, link where you can find all episodes as I upload them each and every week. So, you know, I have a note here that I forgot to talk about last week, which is making fun of Matt Clark and all the Australians who go to bed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, those guys or it's whatever time, you know, 530 in the morning or or something over there. They're, you know, they always want the replays, but, you know, with Spotify or Anchor.fm or what, what are some of the other ones? We've got Breaker.audio, PCA.st, RadioPublic.com. Uh, so those are all places where you can catch the, the stream. And it's audio only on that. So the uh, <laughs> make fun of A.A. Gabriel, too. Absolutely. Uh, so these are audio only. So, you know, if you're if you have a commute into work and you're driving along, then, you know, it might be an easy way to keep up to date with everything. So I thought I would share that and I will be sure to drop the links in the replay post on Hive. Yeah, Aussies, man. What are you going to do? They're in the upside down, man. So. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that that was my my fun little little thing that I did this week. And it's super easy, actually. You know, you just sign up for an account. You upload and um, you do a little description thing and the rest is automagic. And so um, I'm just waiting really for iTunes and for Google Podcasts to uh, to approve it, which, you know, can apparently take a little while. Uh, but if you're live, you can watch the stream or if you're on YouTube, you can watch the replay. And uh, Rondon is our producer here. Uh, we're on we're on MSPWaves.com. We're on uh, Three Speak. We're on uh, Vim, and is Theta working? I, I wasn't sure about that from your from your show last night, um, whether that was actually functional yet or not, or if that was in the plans. Uh, we'll let Ron, you know, get back to us on that. So uh, we got a few more people joining in the audience here, which is always good to see. And uh, <laughs> so. There, there's a couple things I wanted to hit before uh, any of the other stuff. So if you are on the live stream, you'll see that my green screen is still not perfect uh, with my new webcam. So you'll see that I'm kind of see-through. You'll see some halo kind of effect. Uh, who is speaking right now? Neil? Yes, I'm the one that is speaking right now. now you should see my name on the, on the uh, voice list on Live On Air. You should start seeing that light up as I speak. And that's... That'll let you know that I'm the one that's speaking. Uh, and it is storming here. 
just started. So hopefully we make it through the whole show <laughs> without getting cut off or, or anything like that. And uh, this time, so we had one cut off before, but uh, the uh, yeah I was able to kind of log in on my phone, but my phone is not cooperating today, so I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, hopefully we'll make it through without any interruptions. So with no further ado, let's uh, let's dive into all the stuff that has happening happening over the past week. Uh, let's see, I gotta check off my list and make fun of Matt Clark and Australians. Got that? A.A. Gabriel and all the rest of them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there were two uh, two fun things I wanted to hit. So one was Isaria, who is the who is the uh, the composer du jour, or I don't know if she's officially the only composer or what, but whatever. She released new music for Splinterlands. So uh, I'm gonna drop the post right here. And Krim is dropping the MSP Waves knowledge for Byzantinist, Byzantinist, whatever. <laughs> so uh, it's called Dungeons of Mortis. Now Mortis is of course the Death Splinter. So I'm guessing this is going to be for a boss encounter or a dungeon encounter in the uh, player versus environment stage of the game. Uh, I, I have no idea if, if Harris Mirror does a lot of music too. I just know that I saw Asaria post this on, on, I think I saw it on Twitter actually. So I'm going to play it for you. And it's not too, it's not too long. Three minutes, 26 seconds. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get the creepy vibe that Asaria has going on here. So listen to this. Thank you. 
So yeah, that was Dungeons of Mortis, official music for Splinterlands by Isaria. And I dig it. So uh, it's, you know, it's kind of gets you pumped a little bit. It's a little bit, you know, off-putting, you know, which makes sense for a death dungeon. So <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to that P versus E uh, kind of gameplay where uh, we can showcase some of this music. So uh, that was that was super fun. The other fun thing that I wanted to mention before getting into the heavy stuff was our good friend Gold Matters here. So uh, if you'll, there was a comment left by Byzantinus a few days ago. Let's uh, put that here in the chat. And it says, wow, congrats to Gold Matters on obtaining his second gold Archmage Arius and also setting a new record for most paid for a single card. $6,069.69. So clearly that was a sale from J69. But uh, wow, that is a lot of money for a single card. And, you know, Gold Matters is definitely stocking up on the gold cards and... Um, you know, he cornered the market on Alpha, uh, I don't know if it was all the dragons yet, or just the lightning dragons, and, but, I don't know, a bunch of them, right? So, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when we have our BTC pump and things go, you know, through the roof, especially these out-of-print editions, you know, he's going to be sitting very, very pretty, I think, uh, and be able to sell these cards for absurd amounts of money, because he has all of them, <laughs> You know, I've got a bunch of Alpha cards, but I don't have a bunch of, like, gold legendaries. I've got a couple, but not, not anywhere near as, as many as he does. And he targeted those most rare ones, which uh, obviously are the hardest to get, and isn't afraid to pay up for them. So, uh, you know, like the old Rothschild quote says, you know, buy when people are fearful and, and sell when people are greedy. So I think he's uh, on the right track there. But, but I mean, just, Wow. I know, I know other games, like on CryptoKitties and Gods and Change and stuff, have had higher uh, single-card purchases, you know, like 100th or, or ETH or however you pronounce it. But, uh, wow. I mean, still, it's, it's just an enormous amount of money for, the, uh, for what is a digital commodity, basically. Well, not a commodity, a digital collectible. The opposite of commodity. Those are non-fungible and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if, you can, if that thunder is making it through to my microphone, but uh, it is definitely thundering here. So that was just incredible. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to share that in case any of you guys missed it. So bear in mind, a lot of big crypto kitty purchases were actually for charity. I did not know that, actually. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's fine. So... You know, whether it's for charity or not, it's still a lot of money to spend on one particular uh, one particular card. So it doesn't matter how you cut it. That's just a lot of money. So congrats. And, uh, you know, how much in, in Dark Energy Crystals uh, is that? Do we have, let's see, we have Banjo in here. So 6,069 divided by 0.00043, just as a near average. That is 14 million Dark Energy Crystals. <laughs> Holy crap, that's a lot. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if uh, if uh, J69 has turned around and sold that on the market yet, but, I mean, it's just been craziness. Uh, so, uh, my quail are getting scared from the thunder. All right. So if you hear that squeaking, that's what, that's what quail sound like. Uh... 
so let's check out the the dark energy crystal market to see if uh, any of that has made its way through. You know, I haven't bought much in the last little while. We've actually had a little bit of a pump in dark energy crystals, and that led to some interesting stuff. I don't know why my mouse is going so slow. So, um, so that's the that's the chart. Uh, we also had, of course, that's in Hive, and we actually had a little Hive pump uh, this past day. So let's let's do the deck USD command. Uh, let's just do Hive Engine to zoom in a little bit. So yeah, you can see that uh, we had a little we had a little bump in the price in terms of US dollars, which of course all Splinterlands cards are priced in, you know, as converted to Dark Energy crystals. So. Uh, the net result of that is that what we saw on deck 101, which is, you know, the service that gives you a little bit better than burning rates, is that a bunch of people started sending in gold cards. Uh, Kyokis did it, uh, Coronavirus did it, and uh, a couple others. And what, uh, what Gerber and I were talking about and that we figured out was that people were taking advantage of the bump in U.S. dollar value of Dark Energy Crystals. And then sniping those cards on the market that were underneath their burn value, setting them to us for slightly over the burn value and just making the spread, which is great. You know, that's arbitrage at its finest. But if you are one of those people that has cards close to the burn value listed on the market, then you make you want to keep a, a close eye on that value and to make sure that you aren't, uh, you don't end up selling like some of these people did for less than burn. Especially less than burn minus 5%, because at that point, just send them to deck 101, right? And save yourself the arbitragers, you know, profiting off of you. That was more thunder. So, uh, yeah, there was, uh, I'm, there was just a whole bunch of cards <laughs> that, that happened to. And so, you know, as my public service announcement to all sellers into the uh, into the market just you know be aware of the current market prices you know the bids on peak monsters are still either not working or under development or whatever they are uh, whatever stage that they are in and as a result there's no standing bid at at the there's no standing bid at the burn like there was un, under the steam days so um, you know there are lots of people running uh, market buying bots out there that are looking for those arbitrage opportunities and just snapping them up as soon as they appear. So, uh, yes, you do need bots to be aware 24-7, but if you have a bid... Yes, I am in the basement. <laughs> if you have a bid at at the burn value, then that will at least limit that. But right now, that doesn't exist. So, uh, the best we can do is to uh, be as aware as you can be. So, if it happens while you're sleeping, yeah... You're, you're kind of stuck, but, uh, you know, you're awake at least two-thirds of the day. So just, all I'm saying is be aware, and, you know, don't give up additional profits. You know, and you always have to keep in mind, especially, you know, minus the market fee. And maybe you're listing for 4% or 4.5%, which is a little bit less, but still, you're, it's still at least several percentage points. So, um, you know, if you're, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you're listing less than 10% over the burn value, you might as well just set them to deck 101 anyway, because then you don't have to wait, and you're getting pretty much the same money, regardless. So, but you know, it takes time for people to realize that. Anywho, uh, that's <laughs> that's just uh, how how things go in in the markets. So, 
that was uh, Dark Angel Christmas. I do want to take take another look at at uh, orbs because we had some orb-like news. So let's bring that up on Hive Engine. So not too much volatility, but you know, because Hive has been pumping, that's you know maybe a slight upward bias there. I don't even know if the pump is still on. Actually, let's check that. Let's go to uh, trading view. So load that up and go to Hive BTC. Let's go to the daily. So yeah, it reversed mostly, but uh, still, uh, you know, we're up a little bit compared to where we were. So you know, if if the Hive price increases, then you would expect that the price on Hive Engine would decrease because if you're going constant in U.S. dollars. But if it's not, then the um, uh, then you are you know going up in U.S. dollar terms. So. Uh, the, th the news that we got about orbs was during the weekly AMA that Agro did. So he said that, or he revealed the name, that they are going to, the replacement for orbs are going to be called dice. So I really thought that the orbs was going to be like the category of thing, and then the, the skins were going to be the, like, like mini additions. Because, you know, it was orbs, winds of change was the skins. So uh, apparently that is not true. We're gonna just go from orbs to dice, and you know the the guy, the little image of the merchant, the octopus guy, are is going to be like the dice merchant. Yeah, that's what that's what he said, dice. Um, and so those are gonna be the replacements for orbs. Uh, you know. Jassic says not cubes. <laughs> you know, Agro likes his dice bitches game, so I'm thinking that uh, he uh, <laughs> he's going with that. So, you know, we'll see what the official announcement is. But that's what Agro said on the AMA last week. So he said a couple other things about it, though. They were targeting 18 cards in the set, in in the mini set, which I think is more than was in orbs. And there's going to be summoners. So. That's kind of spectacular, actually. And he he said five summoners, uh, so it'd be five summoners and then thirteen monsters, which is <laughs> Byzantinus is not happy with the dice name. <laughs> so, so you know, five summoners would be you know all all the splinters. And uh, Rondon's going full Karen here. Let me talk to your manager, Agrod. And uh, so we're gonna have we're gonna have summoners and monsters. So it's gonna be a much more uh, playable set than the orbs were, which is <laughs> which is great. Visitiness uh, is an angry cat. So uh, so yeah. So I think I think that will increase the utility and increase the value of those of those cards. So you know if we look on the market, let's see what we got going on. Uh, see how the orbs are doing here. And, you know, of course, orbs had no dragons, but they had other stuff. So, yeah, I don't see too much movement here. We got that. Copy that. You know, I don't know if you guys looked at the last post on Hive for the replay, but I actually copied all these pictures 
into the post. So it's hopefully a little bit easier to follow along with the replay. So yeah, 18 cards. They said about half of them, I think he said nine actually, were, were done as far as artwork and, and design for abilities and whatnot were done. And so they have nine to go. So, you know, timing wise, and this part is my total speculation. If they have nine already, it's probably been under development for a bit. So maybe another month and then we'll get our dice. Uh, I know they have the artwork done for the for the buying page because um, we had that 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 image from that we posted last week from the uh, the merchant who's going to sell you your dice. And of course, I expect they will also be included as uh, season and quest rewards, just like you know, as one percent, just like the orbs were and like the untamed packs are now. And. You know, I'm excited. I, I like new mini sets. I think those are those are great because you know, orbs had a lot, and we don't know edition like publication or sorry, not publication, printing numbers. But you know, there are a lot of orbs out there, but not so much that everybody has all of them, which I like. I, I like having more limited editions that changes up. You know, not only just changes it up for you know just me you know as, as one player but it changes it up in that not everybody's going to be playing the exact same teams all the time which you know to me is a good thing so i'd rather have you know 10 mini sets than one new whole edition that everybody has but uh you know just adds adds more dynamics it adds more uh possibilities and, and adds to the strategy of the game so that is that is my take anyway obviously that's more work on the development side but uh you know uh, that's their problem. A <laughs> uh, couple other notes from the AMA was that uh, collection scores maybe next week is what I said, and that was on Friday. So that would be this week. And so, you know, timing and and rollouts and everything, uh, I have no idea what the reasoning behind the name DICE is. Uh, I just know orbs were round, DICE are cubes, so or orbs are spheres, if you want to be technical about it. Um that's my guess, you know. Um, so collection scores, and there's there's been some chatter, and uh, you know, crypto. Um, I, can, I can't remember. Is it crypto mancer? There's so many cryptos. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was he was talking in the deep dive uh, channel uh, quite a bit, answering a bunch of questions, which is which is great. So the the current plan is that collection scores will the the number itself will be published on your account somehow in the next week or so. We'll have some time to get used to that, to get an idea of what all that is. And what it's based on is that the, um, you know, it's based on your collection. So it's based on the dark energy crystal burn value, <laughs> uh, <laughs> dark energy crystal burn value of the highest version of all the cards that you have. So. Uh, the example he gave was if you have like Lord of Darkness, if you have a an alpha and a beta, both of those will count towards your collection score, even though you're, you're only going to be playing one of them, whichever one's higher. Uh, if you have like a thousand level one pirate archers, you only get credit for one of them because only one is the highest one. But if you have, uh, let's say, you know, uh, a, a level eight pirate archer alpha, a level three pirate archer alpha and a level five pirate archer beta, then you'll get credit for both the level eight alpha and the level five beta. So uh, that's interesting. And then once once we have the 
<laughs> once you have the the values kind of like established and we understand you know what different people are playing at what different levels with what different collection values then they will implement the thresholds and i asked about the um, i asked about the thresholds specifically and the current plan is that there's actually going to be thresholds at every single tier so if you're going from silver 3 to silver 2 that's going to be you're going to have to have a minimum collection score and if you have silver 2 to silver 1 that's going to be a minimum collection score and then another threshold from silver 1 to gold 3 so uh, Jassic said, Jassic Briggs brings up my next point. So he says, so maxed out deck can have the same collection score as level one level deck with some delegated cheap GFLs, which is stupid. <laughs> so yeah, so golds are going to count, uh, at least under the current plan, golds are going to count for their full dark energy crystal burn value. So if you have like one, you know, beta epic uh, dark energy crystal value, you know, that's going to be a huge amount of dark energy crystals that's that's gonna be worth you know 60 uh regular uh you know commons and rares uh commonant rare of regular foil cards so it's gonna be tricky to to figure out what's gonna work there and i i expect there to be a couple iterations there but you know for now that puts a huge weight towards the gold cards, which honestly I'm in favor of. <laughs> so I'm, you know, golds have been the unloved stepchild of, of the, of the Splinterlands market for a long time. You know, they're supposed to, they're, they're 50 times the rarity in print uh, numbers, but you know, in terms of, of uh, market value, they're well under that. So the market has not deemed them worth the printing rarity because they had no additional utility so then they added the 10 percent bonus to dark energy crystal battles or battle winnings which is great and then uh <laughs> gold foil tournaments are super lucrative yes there is gold foil tournaments for the people who win but that's that's just the people who win that's that's not everybody so that's uh you know jassic and and byzantinist and and a few other people that consistently win so uh, you know you could argue with me, but the market speaks for itself. You know, they are not 50 times the regular foil prices. So this this is a an additional. It's it's going to be an additional uh, support for gold foil cards. So um, I you know it's is there going to be a run on them? Well, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that there will be. So like Jessica was saying, you know whether. Uh, whether they're, they're rented cards or whether the level one bot accounts just outright buy a few to get around the collection score thresholds. You know, I don't know. It's going to depend on uh, on how the um, on how the thresholds work as well as the rewards schedules. So um, let's see. What do we got? What does Jessic post here? So uh, let's see. The deck floor is great, yeah, no, no exact values yet, but I confirmed all rarities will be weighted the same regardless of edition or foil. No, so level 4 common will be the same as level 4 common untamed. And I said, <laughs> apparently I said news to me. It says, so you can't cheese the system by just renting a gold, gold foil alpha. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, their worth comes from rarity, which is helpful, only helpful for collectors. For people focused on gameplay, gold foil adds nothing. And yes, that's that's the entire point, Byzantinist. Um, and that is that might be changing here. So, um, 
you know, we'll have to see, uh, hopefully soon, how the uh, how the exact mechanics work out. But the last thing Agrid said um, on Friday was that they're going to count, you know, dark energy crystal burn value. So uh, so we'll see how that dynamic shapes out. And that might not be the final word. That's just what he said on Friday. So uh, I expect to go through a few iterations of this, you know, while they're tweaking and, and getting everything right. And everybody's going to complain and then they're going to tweak a couple things. And then, you know, 75% of the people will complain and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that, that was the big interesting thing. So I, I still think we're going to see a, an extra boost for the golds. And then, uh, you know, the two, the, the, the two round anytime tournaments are live now, which is, which is cool. And uh, people are already complaining about that one. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, the, the major, the major, I don't know what you call it, failure, craziness, um, what have you, that round two is actually adding to your record from round one, I think is just bananas. Uh, you know, so the problem with the one round anytime tournaments is not that they're one round. It's that the there's so many people playing and so many bots and so many people not showing up that there's, there's a lot of people who end up with perfect records, a, a good fraction of which are just are just no contests rather than actual wins so i was in a tournament i was actually in a gold foil tournament the other day and i was number i don't know i was right on the bubble of the of the larger awards i was at like number 15 or 13 or something and then the i was number i stayed the same rank up until the tournament closed and then a bunch of people went above me because of no contests and then um and then I got bumped down to the to the 500 dark energy crystal reward tier instead of the like the 5,000 or whatever it was, and that's annoying, right? And that's been a problem with the anytime tournaments uh, the whole time. So, in response to that, they said, "Okay, we can do you know second round." So, okay, great. Now with the second round, the top X percent, whether it's 20 percent, 50 percent, or whatever, moves on to the second round, and then you know there's a, no, a new round of battles. So given the problem with, with the first round, it makes no sense at all to count that as going towards your second round results because you're just, <laughs> I'm the best around. Nothing's going to keep you down. Yeah. Uh, so, so the second round of the anytime tournaments should start from scratch. And it just boggles my mind that they didn't do it this way to begin with. And like I said, you know, the, the few two round anytimes that have been executed so far, people are already uh, coming in into the discord chat and saying, this is not fair and it shouldn't be this way. And, and I totally agree with them. And I think that's, that should have been obvious from the start. So I don't know why they did it this way, aside from just being a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> Apparently, I'm Daniel Russo in tournaments, so that's <laughs> that's always fun. Uh, if crane kick, you know, done properly, no defense. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that that will that design flaw will be fixed fairly soon. And um, you know, I haven't heard anything from the actual team about responding to that, other than well, I just haven't heard a response. So hopefully, they're paying attention. And hopefully they will fix that because, you know, if if you if you went up, let's say, 14 and 0 and then the 
next round you start off 14 and 0 versus somebody 11 and 3 then you're automatically you know advantaged over that so then what's the point of the second round uh, some other people brought up the comment that, um, you know, with two rounds, you should play half as many battles per round so that the total amount is the same. And, you know, I don't have real strong feelings about that, uh, you know, because the, the rounds, like a, a single round anytime, uh, this, a single round anytime, it, you know, takes, whatever, 20, 30 minutes. And so, you know, your second round would be that or less. And yeah, that seems okay to me. But other people are saying, well, you know, with large tournaments and, you know, you play so many games and it takes so long that it gives bots an advantage and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, maybe they have a point. I don't really have, like I said, I don't really have strong feelings about it. But uh, I'm I'm perfectly open to that idea. And Jessic says, the first round is a bot slash weak account filter. The second round is the actual tournament. And I agree exactly with that. So, um, you know, the way I phrased it was that, like, they're heats, not a relay. So what I mean by that is that, you know, in in uh, like track and field, like a heat is just a, it's, it's a race, let's say, of doing the hundred meter dash or whatever. Uh, so they run hundred meter dashes with, with six or eight people. And they do that over and over again with different groups and the top, you know, half or whatever can continue to the next round. But that previous round doesn't, it's, it's not the finals, you know, it's, it's not determining your actual ranking. It's just determining whether you're good enough to continue. So, uh, whereas a relay, you know, each lap builds on itself. So, uh, you know, cumulative, uh, cumulative wins add up at the end. So, uh, Paco Limited says, it is a joke that it has come so far. I mean, there's no other reason to put your level one bots into the tournament than fuck up the game. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't think so. I think they're just, you know, just, you know, it's kind of a spray and pray method of rewards, you know, um, the, the level one bots are just, you know, they're, they're optimizing with respect to their, to their deck costs, you know, so, and I understand that. I just, uh, you know, we need, just need to have a design that, that takes that into account. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is that with the current number of players and the current uh, distribution of cards, the, the dark energy crystals, um, the dark energy crystal values or or card rewards or whatever it is profitable plenty profitable to run level one uh accounts and you know whether or not they get rewards in the tournaments i mean they just need one ever to make it worthwhile you know because it's there's no additional cost uh to them at least uh you know not significant ones i mean a 10 dark energy crystal entry fee is, is not significant or not, not a significant enough deterrence. And if you made the entry fee so high that it would deter them, then everybody else will complain too. Um, so, and you know, and you know, who knows? Maybe it's just, you know, training for them. Uh, you know, it could be, could be any number of things. Um, so yeah, regardless, uh, the, the two round anytimes uh, need to be tweaked there and that the second round should be the one that counts first round is just to get into the second round second round is the one that counts for rewards and i don't know if they've done this or not but uh, i hope they have it structured so that you know only the second round can receive rewards because you know if you if you reward so many people but this but the second round only accommodates a lesser number then you might be giving rewards to people in round one uh, i i hope that they have prevented that i don't actually know if that's the case or not 
And uh, Byzantinist is saying, so regarding collection score, a lot determines on what the primary goal slash objective is. For example, if the goal is people need to invest more to get more rewards, which is part of the theme from the $10 summoner spellbook, then one, it's fine if gold foil and GFL contribute a lot to the score. Two, it's fine if different editions and even multiple copies, 100 unused rusty androids, contribute. Three, but it's not going to stop level one accounts with some GFLs from entering champion level. If the goal is focused more on sorting players into appropriate leagues to create more competitive environments, then one gold foil should not count for extra because there is no additional gameplay benefit. Two other editions and multiple copies should not contribute. You should only use highest level. Three, furthermore, it should also be capped based on summoner level. You shouldn't get credit for a high level monster that you can't use. Uh, and Byzantina says, no, it is possible for people in second round to get to not get rewards and first round to get rewards. Okay, that's just bananas. <laughs> uh, I mean, that that defeats, you know, the entire... Uh, depends on price structure. Yeah, I understand all that. Um, but I, I think that, you know, just from the logic of having a second round, only the people in the second round should get rewards. Um, and I, that shouldn't be that hard to implement, I don't think. But, you know, it goes back to that you know, building on your record thing. So that needs to be fixed. So, uh, you know, for for this uh, giant post that Byzantinist is putting in here, yeah, I think it's, I think they're going for a little bit of a hybrid, uh, you know, a hybrid uh, approach where, you know, only the highest versions counted. I, I think somebody asked about the summoner, you know, if it's actually a usable card rather than just a random card in your collection. And I'm not sure uh, what that is. Obviously, when the collection score comes out in a week or so, then we will have answers to lots of these questions. And uh, I don't know if we're going to be privy to the calculations of the collection score. But, you know, with the mathematical uh, intelligence of the Splitterlands players, then we'll be able to, to, uh, to uh, you know, reverse engineer. I was going to say backward engineer. Well, reverse engineer all that uh, to, to see what happens pretty quickly. Uh, so then you need some additional validation check that compares price structure to top X percent. Yes, you would, but I don't think that's that hard. Um, at least, you know, to my mind. Uh, the other thing we got out of the AMA was uh, the game credits. You know, I had mentioned in the AMA that I didn't understand how this whole thing worked. And the one of the people from the game, uh, the game token was actually on the call or on the AMA and you know joined in and with Agrod and uh, shared some some of his knowledge, which was really helpful actually. So um, so basically, as of right now, game is just an ERC twenty, just like any other ERC twenty. You stake it and you get rewards from uh, an inflation pool, and the um, and the um, you know there's a certain amount distributed every week and you get a percentage of that based on the amount you stake. But then the developers, the game developers, also get uh, an equal amount of rewards to whatever you got. So basically by staking the game, you are then, you're then funneling some extra income to the game developers. So you do that to support whatever developers that you are involved with. And in our case, obviously, that's Splinterlands. And, uh, you know, Biz is talking about, you know, actually, you know, absolute number versus percentage and how that can be an issue. Yeah, I get all that. But regardless, round two should be the winners. <laughs> uh, now, the so that that's where game credits are right now. And over time, you know, their roadmap is that they are going to be developing 
more capabilities. So the main, the big one that uh, that the guy was talking about was uh, promotional special items, which is really interesting for a, a game like Splinterlands. So you know, I would love to see some special edition cards or special edition uh, you know items and spells whenever we get those that goes towards. Uh, you know, these, these supporters, whether, supporters, whether it's through game tokens or some other system, I just want to see more uniqueness spread throughout the Splinterlands ecosystem. And that goes back to the same thing I was saying about the mini sets, where the, the wider variety of things that we have that are not universally distributed, the more, uh, the more thinking you need to go into the whole, uh, into the whole thing. Because, you know, when we get to a point where, you know, let's say the average player has bits and pieces from 10 different sets, then it becomes much more of a, you know, much more of a play your opponent rather than play some optimal set. And <clears throat> so, you know, at that point, tools like, you know, the battle chain uh, from P monsters will be a lot more useful. Because, I mean, as it stands now, except in the very highest of tournaments, you know, I don't care about who my opponent is, really. I might look to see what uh, what you know teams they've played in the last five to see if they're on a quest. Like, well, they've played they've played four out of five water matches, so they're probably going to play water again. Um, but other than that, you know, the um, I don't care who my opponent is. Uh, certain certain people I see, and I know that you know I'm going to have a tough time. Like, if occasionally you know I'm high enough to run into Jesse, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to lose. You know, <laughs> but but. Uh, other than that, you know, I, it just doesn't matter enough. There's not enough uniqueness to um, to matter, really. So, you know, over time, as we develop these mini sets, as we develop special promotional items, then uh, the more your opponent will matter. And I think that is a good thing for the game. And Biz says, I agree, round two should be winners in the old... Real-time tournaments. You saw how furthest you saw how furthest round reached was more important than number of wins. So someone who lost in qualifi qualifier round one or two would be ranked lower than someone who got a bye and then lost zero to two. Oh, qualifier round one one win two losses. I see. So yeah, I mean that's just I think that's just common sense. <laughs> Jessic is a dirty, dirty kitten killer. <laughs> I guess he feels the same way when he runs into Jessic in in the ranked matches. Uh, it's tough talking for an hour. You know, I need my, my giant mug of water right here. I, you know, Ron commented that, you know, you should be watching with the stream because I talk with my hands. And I do. I, I absolutely talk with my hands. And people have made fun of me for it for my entire life. And I don't care because that's just how it's going to be. So um, it is, we've got about 15 minutes left. And I did want to hit on one kind of meta market sort of thing. Before uh, we hit five o'clock, and Scaredy Cat comes uh, comes on with his uh, uh, Scaredy Cat Investor Show. So, you know, we're seeing signs of inflation finally. You know, uh, it's it's been a long time coming, basically. But um, you know, the the overall crypto markets, which includes uh, you know our the values of our Splinterlands uh, cards, is you know, been in crypto winter for quite some time. It's It's been thawing, you know, we have the halving and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we're still, you know, 55%, 60% off of all-time highs 
something like that for Bitcoin. And as we saw in the 1718 run, everything else in crypto runs based on Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin goes up first. It has all the name recognition. It has all the market uh, dominance. And then everything else followed, at least in 1718, everything else followed like a month later. So in in this next phase, I, th I don't think it'll be a month. I think it'll be a shorter time period because the market penetration is further along, but uh, it'll still be following Bitcoin, basically. So if Bitcoin breaks 50,000, then people wake up and say, oh, you know, I should go buy some. I don't want to spend $50,000 on a, on a single Bitcoin, so I'm going to look for these cheaper things, even though mathematically that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so uh, our card values, especially for the out-of-print ones, are going to follow that. So, you know, right now I'm at, you know, that 52,682. <laughs> if Neil and Krim ever talk face to face, it's going to look like a fist fight there. Um, so, you know, that, that number has been as high as 96 or 97, something like that. It was just shy of 100. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is, a lot of my collection value is alpha and beta, which are no longer in print. So when we get the Bitcoin pump, then... You know, some fraction of those filter into our ecosystem and start wanting to drop some uh, some cash on on those cards, and then we'll have all the crypto millionaires who have like ten Bitcoin or whatever, or five thousand ETH or whatever it is. They'll be able to come in and say, eh, you know, 0.2 ETH, no problem. Here you go, and uh, that'll be some large uh, amount of U.S. dollars. So all that is to say that you know we're seeing signs of inflation. And that is, you know, bad for the real economy, obviously. But, you know, nobody cares about the real economy anymore. It's all about the market values. So if we look at the SLV, this is the ETF that tracks silver. So let me just paste the daily chart here. That's so that is uh, quite an uptrend, I think you could, you could say. And also uh, we have gold. Let's look at the GLD, which is a one-tenth fractional ETF. And this is the daily chart here. Let's post that there. So that is the gold daily chart. Okay, great. So, you know, why does this matter? Well, it matters because these are areas that are already fully financialized and easy places for money to flow. So the fact that these are pumping like they are, and I mean, on silver, you can, I mean, a daily chart doesn't even do it justice. So you really have to go back to a weekly chart where you can see, uh, actually, even that doesn't do it. Let's, let's go to a monthly chart. So here's a monthly chart of, of SLV. Which, and you know, there, there's the usual ETF problems of, of, of um, you know, uh, management fees and, and drift and tracking errors and all that kind of stuff. That's all true. But, um, you know, it's, it's uh, broadly accurate, let's say. So, like, SLV hit a high of 48.35, but silver actually hit 50 back in 2011. So that was the all-time high, which matched the 1982, I want to say, all-time high with the Hunt brothers trying to corner the market. And uh, ever since then, you know, silver's been, you know, dying or, or dead. But now we're seeing signs of life. So money is flowing around, and that's, that's what we call hot money in, in the financial world. 
So, you know, the, the whole process, you know, it's very, very simplified, is that the central banks create money, goes out to the primary dealers, the primary dealers spread it around to their favorite people or internally, and um, the, tr the charts don't... Oh, I'm on the wrong screen. Ah, forgot the transition. Okay. Well, that'll be tough for the replay folks, but the, <laughs> the charts will all be there in the, uh, in the post. So... That's the second time I've forgotten to switch my, my, my scene. All right. Hopefully you can see it now. Uh, but <laughs> the, so the point is, hot money is flowing. So, you know, central banks create base money. Base money goes to primary dealers. Primary dealers create broader money. Broader money goes out into the economy, right? And some of that money is going into gold. Some of that money is going into silver. Interestingly, it's going to silver faster than it is going into gold because the ratio between the two has been improving for silver lately. And the uh, that's all that's all preamble to say that some of that money is going to go eventually into crypto. And we've had a little bit of a pump, uh, two percent uh, in Bitcoin in the last uh, day or so. But you know, this is just this is just the very early stages of all the hot money that was created from the COVID crash going out into other things rather than just, you know, the stock market and, and the bond market. And Biz is asking, how are things going with your new Heron system that you are working on? Uh, so the, uh, <laughs> maybe silver is more popular because people are afraid of vampires. The bankers are the vampires. Um, it's a metaphor, sort of. <laughs> but to answer your question, though, uh, the Heron system is working uh, great, actually. Uh, so, you know, We've been testing. We have about 50 accounts running right now, and uh, they're all working fine. Distribution and everything is working. Uh, we have not yet designed the tokenization system, uh, but that is actually pretty easy because we have similar... When I say we, I mean Gerber. Uh, <laughs> we have similar uh, distribution mechanisms already in place in other things, so uh, that won't take long to code up. The thing that we're waiting on right now is collection scores and uh, and the league thresholds to see what exactly it is we're dealing with before we open it up to everybody. Because the, you know, I, I'm, I'm already designing this to be a low hassle, um, a low hassle thing. So uh, the, the very last thing I want is for a bunch of people to delegate a bunch of cards to a bunch of accounts. And then we find out that it's like, oh, well, sorry, you're... You're uh, gonna have to redo all that work, and then those people are gonna be coming to me and say, "Oh, I need this, I need that, and I need to change the other thing." Um, so <laughs> Gerber should take away those ugly GFLs from mean old Jackie and create a gold fool heron stack instead. <laughs> well, Gerber bought a lot of cards uh, through through this whole process, so he's now he's I don't think he's in the top ten holders yet, but he's close. Um, in fact, I don't know if he's actually holding it on the Gerber account or not. But let's take a look. Let's see if we can find his collection. Because uh, he's shown me his uh, his numbers, but I don't know if it's actually on. Oh, yeah. Here he goes. So he's already into the compute area. So that's Gerber's collection. So he has almost 105,000 BCX of cards. And uh, a bunch of that is gold foil. So... <laughs> Uh, so he's, he's hitting it hard and, um, you know, I don't think he meant to, but, uh, it's, it's what's happening. 
So yeah, I mean, like I said, the system's working. So the current idea of, or the current iteration that we're on is that, you know, both buyer or not buyers, both players and owners are going to be tokenized. So the advantage of that for players is that we're, we're leveling out the luck of the different, um, the different, uh, rewards. So, you know, instead of, you know, the occasional silver account getting really lucky and getting a gold foil legendary or mostly unlucky and getting like all potions, you know, uh, which has happened to me playing silver accounts and it's super frustrating. So we're, we're removing all that volatility and we're just going to pay out 50% based on, uh, basically based on contribution where, you know, it's going to be, uh, winnings and quest reward, uh, ratio compared to the entire player base. Uh, and then on the owner side, our current idea is that instead of one player, or sorry, one owner delegating all the cards to one account, we're because we're going to tokenize it, basically you're going to get credit for the value of the cards that you delegate. So you can delegate, like if you're Matt Clark and you have 5,000 flesh, alpha flesh golems, you can delegate those to 5,000, well not 5,000, but a bunch of different accounts and get partial credit of each account's winnings. That's, you know, again, averaged out uh, based on league and everything. So that, you know, different owners can mix and match and fill in for, for different accounts. And that, I think, opens it up to a lot of other people. Uh, yeah, but a lot of people like the hope chance of winning a GFL. Yeah, and those people are out of luck. So <laughs> if you're in it for the gambling, tough. Don't, don't play uh, deck 404. Um, you know, and they'll still, they'll still get to open, I guess, but they just won't get to keep. Uh, so there's, there's that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they will get the value of the, of the GFLs. Are you going to keep track of if an account actually uses a card? You know, that's an interesting question. So I'm not sure. Um, we might end up doing it that way where, where, you know, only the cards that are delegated and played count. So, you know, at the same time, we're going to have to prevent double counting for, uh, for people who like delegate an over leveled card to, uh, for a particular summoner. Um, yeah, Jessic, uh, same question. Would the cards have to be played and win battles? Uh, I don't know. Um, so that's, that's still in the, de in the design. Maybe we can, we can run it a couple different ways and see, uh, how it works out. You know, this is all very easy to to change if it ends up being unsatisfactory for people. But the, the the main thing to keep in mind is that you don't have to have a whole playing deck worth of extras in order to uh, use the system as an owner. So, like, if a particular account needs a whatever, ruler of the sea, let's say, that, and you have an extra ruler of the sea, then you can delegate just that one and still get into the earnings of, of the system. Uh... <laughs> So yeah, Biz, Paul, and Jessic are are all saying the same kind of things. And Paco says that is even worse. I'm not sure what is going to be worse about that, Paco. That, uh, or I think you're, you're talking about the fact that you could open stuff but not keep it. Maybe I don't know. Uh, again, you know, the gamblers are not going to be uh, rewarded in this kind of system. It's going to be very equitable uh, through through play and through ownership. So. Obviously, everything will be converted to Dark Angel Crystals because it's all going to be sent to Deck 101 and then earnings will be split according to whatever system we come up with. But again, uh, 
we are waiting on collection scores and league thresholds to uh, to to open. So yes, opening GFL is what Paco says. Uh, Jessica says, I guess cards used to beat BJR twelve oh three are better than the cards used to lose against Knee Miner sixty nine. Well, <laughs> maybe so. But it's all going to be averaged out, one way or another. So uh, we just have to, like I said, we just have to make sure to avoid double counting and avoid uh, extra credit for unplayable cards. So again, if you have a level four, you know, Malric, let's say, and somebody delegates, uh, you know, a level four um, uh, elementary f or uh, Phoenix, you know, that can't actually be played at level four, then you're not going to get credit for that extra level or those extra levels for um, for the delegation. So it's only going to be, you know, what is what is valuable to the deck. And whether that's played and valuable or just valuable, undetermined at this point. And uh, Biz is going to share us some knowledge. Say, do you know how to beat uh, BJI? Who's the number one player, in case you don't know? And uh, you're going to have to tune in next time to find out, because we are about out of time. Next up, uh, after a quick 30-second clip, is going to be... Uh, Scaredy Cat with his Scaredy Cat Investor Show, where he reviews uh, crypto and stock charts, and he'll give him a give him a token, and he'll he'll try it for you and tell you where the support, resistance, potential opportunities are. So that is it for me this week, and uh, we'll see you on the replay, and see you on the podcast.